You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Okay, I'm wearing my Jared Kushner vest. Looks good on you. Uh, uh, I don't know if it looks good, but it's warm. And you went to Harvard like Jared Kushner. And in your case as well, your father bought your way in. Is that true? Um, no, actually, um, no, the answer is no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, they, it wasn't. Yes. Oh, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> hey, Mickey, we have a big announcement. Uh, okay. You know what? You know what the announcement is? The announcement is uh, that we're going to do these every week for a month, and then we're going to reassess. Right. For like Trump. We are the month we have declared the month of April, you know, fight the pandemic month. And we consider ourselves integral to America's uh, fight against the pandemic. We, you know, we think, frankly, with all the humility, America needs us. And um, so we're going to do this thing. And then like Trump, we will reassess at the end of the month and see whether America needs more of this. Should I tell him what the title of the of this uh, show is going to be? Sure. Okay, here goes. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. How do you, How do you that? like that? How do you like that as the title? I, I mean, Steve. I didn't hear it. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh, should I do it again? <laughs> Probably not. But what did uh, what did it say? Well, wait that 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 inclines me to want to make sure that I'm using the right microphone, and 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 it makes me be worried that I'm not. No, I am using the right microphone. You should have heard it. Really? Did you did you hear? Did you you heard something? Right. I heard the word pandemic. There you go. It's it's war room pandemic. It's Stephen K. Bannon's podcast. Now we don't have Stephen K. Bannon, but we do have you, and you have been called. Stephen K. Bannon accepted better grooming habits, right? Is that that's not your nickname? No, I haven't. That's okay. You haven't. Okay, but we will call you that. Um, I've, I've met Stephen K. Bannon, but have you? Yeah, I was on. I've met him a couple times. What's he like? He's exactly like you would expect. He's a wild man, and he's like serious in his grandiosity and melodrama. Right? That's the real him. Uh he's. Melodramatic and has grand ambitions. I wouldn't say he's pompous, and I wouldn't say no. I don't mean that. I, I mean, I mean, he has, almost. He has a sense of perspective. He knows. He knows when he's being melodramatic and grandiose. Did you see the Errol Morris documentary he, with him on he him? He's leading a movement. No, I, I, I didn't. You should. It drives the point home. He is. Uh, he has a you know a. a I don't know if the word is grandiose. He has a dramatic conception of life generally and his role in it and everyone's role in it. Um, he um, He's the thinking man's Newt Gingrich. Or maybe the unthinking man's Newt Gingrich. You know, I got to say, I actually like him better than Newt Gingrich. I, I've you actually wish, been... A don't case you wish he's in the White House now? Well, it's interesting just listening to his podcast. You know, he's really using this moment to... to I think reinsert himself in the in the intra-Trump uh, dialogue. 
Because this 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 thing I think is on the ABC uh, New York affiliate radio, so it's a radio show okay. of some prominence to begin with, and he's kind of telling Trump the way he should be leading this war, and Trump is not, frankly, not living up to his expectations in all respects. Although he's very complimentary, I don't think Trump's living up to anybody's expectations. Uh, I'm getting a little sick of the guy myself. Wow. That's a threshold we should pause in. <laughs> but, uh, um, the, uh, I don't think this is, even if he, even if we muddle through, I don't think this is going to do him any good in the election. Um, well, that, it's funny, uh, as of a week ago, most Americans were saying he was doing a good job leading the charge, leading this particular fight. Uh, today's numbers were, I think, same poll. He had dropped uh, below the 50% mark in approval in uh, for this role. Uh, okay. But, uh, I mean, I, I just, I don't think Biden would be especially good either, but, you know, people will settle for different, as they say. I mean, do you think the uh, the forces inherently work against Trump at this point? I mean, like, it's just going to be hard for him to recover because there's so much on record about him not getting into gear for the first six weeks and then. So oh, no, they're kind of, they're, 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 you know, countervailing realizations like that very few countries in the world have done a whole lot better. Uh, some of the ones that seem to have done better, like Singapore are now relapsing. It's just a very hard thing to do. And, and, and very, very, very few countries, I know South Korea was an exception were quick off the mark. He, you know, he did, he ignored lots of advice, lots of good advice, including from Tom Cotton, but a bunch of other people who told him to take this seriously. I don't think impeachment distracted him. That's the, that's one of the big memes that Republicans are floating. It tried to distract him, but he, he wouldn't have done any different, I don't think, if he hadn't been impeached. Uh, and he had he had enough he seems to have enough bandwidth to take action even though he is impeached and he didn't want to do it so um uh but a lot of other leaders around the world had the same reaction so yeah of course and and he had more warning right than uh well he shifted into gear much later than South Korea and they still handled their problem um but i guess joe biden's one handicap is his criticizing Trump's decision to limit travel from China as, I think, xenophobic and an overreaction. On the other hand, I gather Biden did publish an op-ed in late January. I haven't read it, but I think saying, let's take this seriously, and, and presumably he can get a lot of mileage out of that. I, I do think the travel thing is important because everybody says, oh, Obama would have done so much better. And I think Obama would have done better, but the travel thing is not an area where he would have done better. He would have probably hesitated much more than Trump did. What the, the, the key question is, to my mind, is, is what, was there any hope of keeping this thing out of the United States? Uh, I, or was it the failure just once it's in, we didn't have tests ready? Um, I, I think the, it would have taken an extremely adroit reaction to keep it out of the United States. I think by, it was January that the the guy uh, came into Washington State from Wuhan, right? Um, so that that would have been quite impressive. But uh, the two things are, you know, no, we didn't have nearly enough tests. And and by the way, one thing about the the 
the Bannon podcast is you can kind of see what the various Trump messaging themes are going to be. That they're going to try to blame on the bureaucracy, or as Bannon calls it, the administrative state, right? His phrase. Um, but the fact is, it, it is when there's an emergency, it, it is up to the president, first of all, to sense it, to sense threats to national security early on. And secondly, you know, to, uh, circumvent the bureaucracy is necessary to, 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 you know, get his hands dirty if necessary. And, um, I don't doubt that this was standard operating procedure and, and not to mention the fact that he's the guy who appointed, uh, the head of the CDC, the head of Health and Human Services, you know, these are his people. Supposedly, Tom Cotton, I, this could be self-serving on Cotton's part, told him that the uh, CDC was slow and the FDA was slow and they needed to be prodded. And, uh, and, and he told this to Trump himself, to Jared, and to O'Brien, according to Cotton. And so why didn't they do anything if, if in fact, they were warned? I mean, yeah, I, don't, I don't know anyway, but, but he's, he's got yeah. a lot of splanning to do. And, you know, even the tests aside, you could have started the social distancing way, way, way earlier. And and and, you know, the, the reason I think I mean, he, well, maybe we should get into the number into whether whether this will he can wind up getting this deemed a successful fight against the virus, um, because. Don't you think that the numbers they rolled out some days ago, you know, 100,000 to 240,000 deaths were designed to put the goalposts in a place where they could declare victory? I don't, I don't think there's been enough cynicism about that in the, in the media, but I hope so. There's, it's very odd. There, first, uh, the, all the, all the doctors I talk to and, or they're, they're usually the husbands of wives, but, you know, they're, they're, or the fathers of friends say, this is ridiculous. The hospitals are empty. My hospital is empty. My emergency room is empty. What's all the fuss about? Then there are guys like Alex Berenson, who was on Tucker Carlson last night, who's a former New York Times reporter who thinks this is all drummed up by self-serving bureaucrats. It's all, uh, uh you know, wild overreaction. Uh, and the, and the numbers will come in. Way low, like twenty thousand to fifty thousand. I don't think twenty, but uh, and, uh, and and then, but I, I, I don't think, uh, you know, Fauci has a reputation, and it doesn't help his reputation if he comes in way high and and he's put the country through a depression in or you know for a fake expectation. So I, Who, I you're I, talking about Fauci now, Fauci, and I, I tend to think he knows more than Alex Berenson. So. Well, Fauci. Uh, my my inclination, and also the the one final thing is, I don't think this hope that vast numbers are already infected, so the mortality rate is way lower than we thought, is going to pan out. There have been about four or five little different samples of testing, and they've most of them have come back with the numbers way below what you would have to have to be anywhere near herd immunity, and also to really, uh, you know, to really radically lower the mortality number. Mm -hmm. So I just don't think that's going to save us either. Yeah, well, Fauci himself on the numbers, he was quoted in the Washington Post after they rolled out these numbers saying, look, he doesn't trust models anyway. I mean, that was a secondhand quote. It wasn't something he said publicly. Um, What he had said before they rolled out this 100 to 240 was, 
and it was kind of off the cuff. They asked him, and he said, oh, I would say 100000 to 200000 And then he said, and I don't think there's much of any chance of getting up to 200000 So the numbers they rolled out were actually a little higher than the expectation he had professed, which itself probably had a little CYA in it, right? I mean, just naturally. you, you, you and, and so the other reason to be a little skeptical of that, that range that they gave us is that, you know, when they ask, well, where do these numbers come from? They said, well, we've looked at various studies. And the one that they most emphasized was this one done at the University of Washington, which is this big center that gets a ton of Gates money, Gates Foundation money. And they update their estimates regularly. And I think that even as the administration was uh, unve- rolling out the numbers that were supposedly based on this Washington thing as much as on anything else, the Washington numbers were like, Something like, you know, 35,000 to 150 or something. And the average expectation being 80 something. I looked at the, that model today and what they are now saying, it's gone up a little, but they're guessing, uh, between 40,000 and 178,000 with the average being 93,000. So, and, and I've just, have you not been surprised that there hasn't been more cynicism about the administration's, more skepticism about those numbers in the media? There hasn't been skepticism in the direction you, you know, that they're high highballing it to look good. Right. There's been a lot of skepticism that it's that high, uh, you know, led by the right. I mean, there's there, you know, a bunch of writers on the right who are saying, uh, I, we don't believe this model. Uh, so. Um, but see, the left is uh, trapped. I, I, go ahead. I was just going to say the le- the kind of left media, the kind of resistance media, is trapped in um, in its desire to con- continue to emphasize how much Trump underestimated it in the beginning. So when they see these one hundred to forty thousand mo- uh, numbers, they they you know they, they seize them and right. and brandish them and therefore reinforce you know reinforce them. Um, in a way that could wind up helping Trump. That's a good um, point. They're setting a trap for themselves. Yeah, they, they are. I mean, plus there's just the sensationalistic tendency of media generally. They like dramatic headlines. Let the record show I stopped myself before I touched my face. That was very good. I didn't see it, but I'll, I'll take was, your word it for it. Post, I got some feedback from viewers last time saying. I saw that. Speaking yeah, of feedback, um, speaking anyway. of feedback, Mickey, I just want to say I was just listening to the DMZ show podcast, which uh, is part of the Blogging Heads network, and people can get either on the Blogging Heads feed or the DMZ show feed. And Matt Lewis, who along with Bill Share is a regular co-host, said he was delighted to see us talking last week, and we should do a weekly show. He said this, and we had already discussed it. But he said it, and he's like a CNN guy. He's on CNN, so I'm thinking we could wind up with a show on CNN. You and I, the made man, yeah. The, um, uh, what well, I guess my, you know, my my fear was always that uh, I would uh, I would get this thing, I would go to the intensive care unit, and they would say, "Sorry, Mr. Kaus, you're too old for a ventilator." Okay, it looks like that in most cities, the ventilator shortage. That they will not run out of ventilators. I guess it's possible, but uh, it, Los Angeles seems to be doing well enough that they're not going to run out of ventilators. And, and it also turns out that once you're on a ventilator, you're pretty much a goner anyway. The survival rate for ventilators is fifteen percent. 
So is that right? Yeah, being on the, the good news is there's an intermediate step, which is just like an oxygen mask. You realize that, right? Right, right, okay. the, right. But the the idea that like the ventilator is this like this hand of God that's going to come and save you is not correct. Fifteen percent. Uh, yeah, that's what that's what they say. Uh, I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna stop touching my face then. Uh, but anyway, um, so so the the idea that I would be unfairly cheated of life by some rationing regime is is fading but do they really does the social distancing that prolongs that prolongs it and lowers the peak does that really lower the number the mortality that much or does it push mortality out into the future and do we really hope that we're going to get a lot of people to survive, to not get this thing uh before we find a vaccine well, I mean, is that really the realistic hope here? First of all, I think pushing mortality into the future inherently reduces mortality, not just because, you know, uh, the more you can push off until you have a vaccine, the better. But, you know, I think most people think we're going to have effective antivirals. They won't save everyone, but they will save some people within a few months. Uh, you know, there have been these studies that suggest, at least to some extent, that this truck this drug that Trump has been touting may well, be it, effective. It, it's very interesting. Uh, the, if, there are a bunch of uh, tweet storms from uh, nurses in the ICU and doctors, and they all piss on chlor, chlor, chloroquine. Is that however you pronounce it? They all it's piss hydroxychloroquine. Right, but then there's, and there's another version that has something else in it, and there's uh, but the hydrochloroquine, I guess, is the main one. And they all say, I haven't seen it having any effect at all. And they, they say, I don't think it'll be part of the treatment. There seemed to be, there's now one study from China that showed it had a pretty substantial positive effect. Uh, but it seemed to be giving early in the stages. So it may mm-hmm. turn out that this thing works if you get it right away. But by the time you're in the hospital, it's too late for it to have an effect. And it may turn out to be worthless, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, um, uh, there, you're right that there there are a bunch of there are, you know dozens and dozens of other possible treatments. So the, okay, that's that's I guess that's the answer. Well, yeah, I mean, plus I mean, there are various uh, ways the environment can be more um, conducive to survival in a few months. I mean, first of all, there's a number of other drugs that they're testing, uh, right. you know, and. Um, and some of these have a prophylactic effect, apparently, as well as uh, reducing the chances of you dying once you've already got it. But also, we will understand more about it. We presumably will have more in the way of uh, not just tests, but but first of all, antibody tests that can tell us if you've had it at any point in your immune, which is useful information. And secondly, uh, tests for uh, for the illness itself. They give you instantaneous results. Fauci really emphasizes the importance of this. He, what he says is, you know, if the question is when you come out of a long, like, lockdown, like all of April or April and May, and by the way, the, the uh, numbers from that Washington study do assume that you continue to lock down through May. But um, when you come out of a long lockdown, um, he says the only way to move into a phase where you actually extinguish the thing is if you have a ton of tests that give you instant results. 
because that's the way you do effective contact tracing. They know right away that they've got it and you start the contact tracing right away. So, 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 you know, that's another reason that pushing, pushing mortality off into the future could reduce the total amount of mortality. Uh, uh, that's a very good point. Um, uh, it's weird. I, I, I'm always leery of contact tracing. It seems inconceivable that America could get it together, especially a public health bureaucracy to contact trace a lot of people. But I remember the TB epidemic in New York where you have to have social workers go out, uh, find the homeless people and make sure that they took their medicine and they managed to pull it off. So, uh, that was, that was, um, done under Margaret Hamburg, who's a friend of mine. I saw her on TV, by the way. On, oh, good. On, on so CNN. She just disappeared. What did she say? Or MSNBC. It was a brief appearance. I don't, I don't, I don't remember exactly. I was, uh, spending my time making sure she was the one you're always talking about. And she was. Well, she was, yeah, she was Fauci's assistant and then she became health commissioner of New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during the TB epidemic. Yeah, well, the other thing is, and this will raise civil liberties questions, but if they want to use people's smartphones, you know, there are, there are these ways that that can facilitate contact tracing. If we really give the government, I mean, in the extreme case, if all Americans allowed themselves to be traced, then you could go back retrospectively uh and and trace people's contacts in a in a very efficient way and even people they might have forgotten How does that work with what's that GPS data uh well you've got various ways to locate a cell phone first of all there's uh cell phone tra- uh, tower triangulation there's GPS but remember i mean th- there's you know there are you probably have given permission to some app to to track your location there the, the the data is up there it's just that um and, and in fact it is bought and sold it's just that it is bought and sold in an anonymized form so uh, you know it is sold to advertisers like if you're walking by a starbucks and you see an ad for a starbucks that may not be a coincidence it may be because there's they are you've given some app per- permission to know your location the company you gave the permission to sold your data in an anonymized it, form, and they're serving you ads when you're around. Yes, I mean it can look at it can look at who you call the most, and it would assume that, that I could, have that could go into it too. It, it, it could intimate intimate relation with my plumber, but uh, but it can't tell if you're walking past a Starbucks and 15 people walk out and you cough on them. Or, well, no, uh, but it, but for example, those people and those are probably the main engine of spread, right? Well, probably a, a, a big engine of spread is people that you have had electronic contact with. They're people in your contacts list. You've, 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 you've DM'd them. You've this, you've that, you've emailed. And, and if you put all that together, you could at very low cost, uh, without much human intervention say, Here's a bunch of people you've been in physical contact with. In other words, it looks for physical contact with people it knows you're. I'm just imagining my, this. I don't know. I'm dreaming it up. It just seems in, in my, principle in possible. In my life, in my life, the people I'm in electronic contact with are the people I'm not in physical contact with. Well, lately, yeah, it's a substitute. Well, that's what they would be looking at lately. And uh, the people I am in contact with are random people 
you know, uh, I run into when I walk around the park. I mean, so. Well, contact tracing is never going to lead us to people that you walked by in the park. It doesn't work but that it works, way. It works with venereal disease when you have to actually have sex with people. With this, the spread is, is you know, much more Somewhat easy. more subtle, yes. Uh, yeah, and, um, uh, you know, especially if it's aerosolized. I mean, then if it's, if it's in, if you don't have to cough, if it just hangs in the air for hours, uh, then then it seems right. And and you're hearing more and more of these scare stories, like they do a study that you know the world champion sneezer or something can can get you <laughs> from twenty two feet. But the fact is that the fact that contract tracing worked as well as it did in places like South Korea tells you that that's not a prohibitive. Yeah. problem that that just getting back to people you actually know you've been in contact with can in principle work anyway so so you know I, I was saying last time we talked we need to hear a plan i think what drives people crazy is when you kind of vaguely say another month and then you vaguely say another three weeks and they don't know where the end is and um yeah, and we really yeah. haven't heard the plan for what happens after yeah, april the plan was revised it would help to have a plan in the first place yeah because it is, it's what one thing is definitely not going to happen is that at the end of April, the problem is just gone and we can return to normal life without fear of the thing reemerging. And yet Trump hasn't really even conveyed that fact to Trump's, us, right? Trump seems to want to hold out the hope that the path, the, the, you know, the return to normalcy will start at the end of this month. And I agree, it's, it seems like a, a, a futile hope, but he seems to feel he has to do that. And supposedly Republicans in Congress are already agitating for that. So there's got to be a fight over that. I, I guess a plan would help uh, to sort of, but I, I guess Trump doesn't want to resolve those issues right now. Uh, I, 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 I'm coming around to your point of view on a couple of, of questions. One is, it would be nice to have a plan. I'm a little sick of the back and forth between the states and the federal government. I think we now know where everybody stands, and it would be good to have a strong federal hand. Uh, uh, so. Uh, on those two issues, I, I'm, I always hated federalism and I'm learning to hate federalism again. Well, there are problems where there, there are areas where federalism arguably makes sense, but here there is this inherent negative externality that one region that fails to control it winds up afflicting other regions of America. And that's a big part of the case for federal, you know, coordination at the federal level. Presumably via some degree of federal mandate. I guess I, the argument was also always that the federal government was more efficient than the state governments, but given the performance of the CDC, it's. Uh, yeah, that varies from administration to administration, I think. Um, what, the, what do you make of Gates's our Gates, Gates wrote this op ed where he just sort of says 10 weeks. It's going to take 10 weeks. Yeah, but he's saying 10 weeks of a pretty extreme and nationwide shutdown, right? I think, yes. Nobody think, seems to be taking that advice. I think, I think Fauci would say somewhat the same thing, if I understand him correctly, which is that if you do this for like a couple of months or so, I mean, in an idealized world, if you could really end all human contact in America somehow, it would only take a couple of weeks, right? But, right. but, but but if your goal is you know given the inevitable amount of contact and uh, to to stomp it out, then I think what people are saying is yeah you know 
six, eight, ten weeks of national shutdown that leaves you in a position to do serious contact tracing, which means you've got a lot of tests ready to go that we don't have right now, among other things, plus a whole plan. Is it more? I guess the most pessimistic guy is this Dr. Lipsitch, who sort oh, of. Oh, I, I'm not. Uh, who explain? I'm I'm not up on him. I've heard the name, maybe from you. He, he wrote an article that basically said, "Look, even after this is over, it's not going to have gone away." He didn't talk all about contact tracing and antivirals, and he said, "We're, we're gonna, maybe we're going to get back to work, but then it's going to come back, and uh, as we as we." undistance ourselves is going to come back and then we're going to have to distance ourselves again. So it's going to be like on, off, on, off, on, off until there's a vaccine. So I guess that is, it seems to me, a very likely scenario. That seems much more likely than, we're, oh, we're going to discover everybody already has it, even though there's some, you know, there's some hopeful evidence, but I don't think that's well, going to happen. I think if you leave Trump to his own devices, that seems to be what will happen. He'll say, okay, the problem's better now and I really want to get us back to work and people in churches let's go and we'll do it and then it'll get worse and he'll clamp down again i mean the one the one sense in which improvement would happen uh being again you don't have more antivirals so the mortality rate is lower and blah 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 but that seems to be where he would be headed if um if it weren't for people like fauci insisting that there'd be a phase two that that kills the thing you think that if he shuts down the country again in October or September, that helps his election? I don't think so. Not, well, here you get it. The fundamental political problem he has, which is the trade-off between, you know, epidemic uh, epidemic damage and economic damage, right? I mean, he, right. He, 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 it's hard to imagine him. And that's why he really should listen to these people who say, look, bite the bullet. Now, for the shortest period possible, and then go into extreme contact tracing and just get it done. Um, that would because, be my instinct, I, I, you know. But we talked about this last time. I think there, was, if it ends in in July, there's plenty of time for him to come back yeah. for November. Because you know, it, come November, if it looks to people like either there really was a lot of, um, you know, there's just been a lot of death. Uh, or there's been a lot of economic damage. Either way, he faces the same question. Why didn't you get into gear sooner? If he had started controlling the disease sooner, there wouldn't have to be so much economic damage. That's it. It is, it is, it is interesting that it really comes down to him not riding herd on the CDC. Uh, that's the main, that's his main screw up. Well, again, though, social distancing, even without testing, okay, would have yeah. made a big difference a month earlier, a huge difference. Okay. okay. But you could say the same thing to Cuomo. I mean, you know, you could say that but, but Trump is president of the whole country. Trump could have saved the whole country a lot of a lot of social trouble. distancing didn't seem in the cards at that time. I mean maybe well, if Trump had come out and given a speech, uh he could have convinced people, but yeah, no, it it, out of the blue. it didn't, although in retrospect that was part of what help China. That was, they did an extreme form of social distancing along with the contact tracing. I mean, I'm sure any number of people knew that social distancing, you know, obviously the way you stop viruses from spreading is reduce the contact among people. So it's not like, you know, the epiphany couldn't have occurred to him. Let's talk about China. Okay. Uh, uh, I think uh, 
China screwed up and is still screwing up, and uh, and you tend to think uh, see things more from your dispassionate, neutral point of view. Well, here's well, I guess you've just acknowledged the superiority of my perspective. Thank you. Um, the uh, uh, no, I'm I'm ideologically driven too. You could you could argue, and I would expect you to if I let you utter another sentence on the matter. But anyway. Consistent with my ideology, I'm uh, against uh, needlessly uh, exacerbating tensions among nations at a time when international coordination is required. But more than that, I would just like to see the evidence that, um, I mean, it's become a talking point. I mean, obviously, this is another thing you pick up from Bannon, is like major, major, major talking point. Communist Party of China is to blame you know, Premier G is the guy who who uh, covered this up. The term "cover up" is being used, and it's being parroted by supposed liberals just because they reflexively speak the language of the American foreign policy establishment. Uh, and and so they're they're feeding into they're, they're feeding into Trump's messaging strategy when they do this. Okay, but the first obvious point is. They're wildly understating their death totals now. There's a, 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 a intelligence report that came out yesterday that says this. I, it seems indisputable that they're well uh, lowballing. Uh, and if they want to be a response, if you want a responsible community of nations, you have to punish people who lie to the community of nations. That's well, part well, of part of the the job of this global cooperation. You don't let people get away with this crap. Okay, but we're all loving China get away with this crap that that doesn't produce the world government you want. So so then we should be punished for Trump's delay too. other nations should be punishing us, too. Right. Because he delayed longer than China did. They're about lying on the statistics. Okay, now we're talking. Now you're getting back to the origin to what I wanted to talk about. The conventional wisdom being parroted by liberals and conservatives and so on, that there was, quote, a cover up by the premier of China. Now, that just. So far as I know, has not been established. If it's you a look cover at- up now. Do you really think they have a lower death toll than we do? A lower case toll than we do? That we're going to wind up? We're going to wind up with more deaths than China? I have no idea. They, 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 the, the, the thing I have heard reported is that they're undercounting the disease prevalence because, or the transmission prevalence, because they're not counting asymptomatic people. But can let, can we the cover I'm up is many, they're undercounting the deaths because they're ignoring the four thousand urns. In Wuhan that they didn't count. I am happy to turn to that. But if we could, before we do that, focus on the cover-up allegation, which is about January and December, okay? That's the big thing. That's when they supposedly let this thing get out of control and lied to us, right? I'm conceding, I'm conceding a, did it start in a lab? I don't really care. It might have started in a lab. B, I'm conceding that lower-level bureaucrats we're terrified of the truth, so it wasn't Z himself. It was lower-level bureaucrats. Okay, but most people even, aren't putting it that way. If Z, even if Z established the system that punished lower-level bureaucrats for delivering bad news to the top. I'll give you all that. E, now they are still lying, and Z has to know about it. Z is lying now about their death totals. Do you think that we're pronouncing – first Lie. question is, do you think we're pronouncing his name correctly? I haven't the finished Is it Z, G, or Chi? Think I about just, that. 
Anyway, it's XI. Let me, let me, okay, but first, last week, you said, Bob, go read this piece by Jim, is it Garrity? How do you pronounce his name? I think it's Garrity. Of National Review, laying out the damning timeline, establishing the cover-up. Okay? And I went and read it, and I saw, for example, this line, three weeks after doctors first started noticing the cases, China contacts the World Health Organization. That is deeply misleading. Now, according to the facts we have, and they could be wrong. I mean, the, the, the Chinese government could be masterfully, you know, covering up evidence of a cover. They could be. But the evidence we have is that the World Health Organization was notified the same day the national government was notified by local health officials who themselves had been notified by doctors four days earlier. So when Garrity says three weeks after doctors first started noticing the cases, well, okay, that was one case and some doctor noticed it, of course, because the guy had a doctor and the doctor may have gone, you know, this is his fever's higher than normal, whatever. But, but this is, this is not, this is a long time before, before there's like this uh, kind of critical mass of people noticing a number of cases and it crystallizing into doctors going to health officials. So it's just deeply misleading. Didn't didn't this hero doctor who's now died do it and make a fuss about it in late December? I think he did. Uh, So, well, late December, fine. Look, WHO was notified December 31st, Mickey. Okay. The, I think the complaint of the world community is that they thought it was a smaller deal than expected because China portrayed it as a smaller deal than it was. Not that they were never okay. notified. Let me say one they more thing. Notified and they were notified of a problem that they stupidly thought was smaller. Okay, but l- let me say one more thing, uh, because re- listeners who have been paying attention to this will, it will be at the front of their mind. And then we can turn to your whether they're covering it up things now question. So one of the main memes of this is, uh, uh, of the the Bannonites is the WHO. Uh, I didn't say O K G O O G L E, did I? Uh, I don't think so. Anyway, she acted as if I did. Um, just quickly, one of the main memes is uh that they were saying as of mid January, there's no evidence of human to human transmission. Now, I. I, I that could well be a, an egregious deception. And the WHO was buying into it at that point and propagating it. But there was a piece in the New York Times a few days ago, and, and it was co-authored by, uh, or written maybe, by Stephen Lee Myers, who had written an earlier, somewhat more damning New York Times piece about Chinese inaction. And it it made it sound as if the local health officials had arranged, uh, had excluded... The way they were gathering the stats excluded people who had not had direct contact with that wet market. So that tended to exclude evidence of human-to-human transmission, right? And that that was the data being presented to the federal government. Now, I just want to say I'm totally open to the possibility that this is all bullshit and that this New York Times piece is buying into a line being perpetrated by the national government could well be all I want to make all I want to do is, is make the point that I have not seen the smoking gun you would need to assert what virtually everyone is asserting now, which was there a that there was a quote cover up 
by the Chinese government, which is generally taken to mean the national government. Could be there was one. I just think we should be careful. Let's take, let's take another issue. Okay. Bats. bats. All these evil diseases seem to to live in bats. The reservoir of the viruses in bats. We've had like a four or five of them, okay? Why doesn't China ban the eating of bats? It's the easiest thing in the world. It's not like their diet is mainly bats. If they were a good global citizen, they would have banned eating bats 20 years ago. They're China. They can pull it off. They're a totalitarian government. Uh, your social credit score goes down if you're seen at the Wuhan market buying a bat. Okay? Uh, that would be a responsible thing to do after unleashing scourge after scourge onto humanity. But they don't do that, do they? Um, no, they don't. I, it wouldn't surprise me if they do now crack down on wet mar- markets, regulate them more closely. This one apparently was not carefully regulated by health officials. I think one misconception about the Chinese government is that they're not responsive to international outrage. They actually, contrary, again, to a, to a circulating meme, they actually performed better this time in, in, by any reckoning than they did in, with the SARS epidemic in terms how, of how soon we found out how, about it. How How responsive do you think the... Weigers feel you, that the, I mean, the Weigers. Well, you know, this this is uh, one of the worst things being done on the planet right now. Is what the Chinese government is doing to the Uyghurs, and, and, and the, you, the international community has condemned it as loudly as it can, and yet it has had no effect. Uh, I can't see that it's had any effect. I don't think we have a super clear idea of what's going on. I haven't heard reporting on it recently, but definitely there are these like re-education camps that Muslims are being forcibly put in where I think they basically try to expunge their, uh, cultural heritage from their brains. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just about the creepiest thing going on, uh, on the planet right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, is your theory that still that if we embrace China enough, they're going to turn into a democracy because that's the uh, direction of history? I bought that. I don't think I buy it anymore. Um, I don't think I've ever put it that way. I do still think that, um, I mean, the conventional wisdom now is, hey, we were told that bringing a market economics to a totalitarian country would turn them into a democracy. It hasn't happened. You were wrong. Let's revert to, you know, nationalism or whatever. Um, it, you know, there definitely hasn't been, uh, the kind of progress various people, including me, hoped for. Um, I do think two things about, um, the economic engagement. One is China is I mean, compared to the pre-Deng Xiaoping reforms, right? He was the one who started moving them toward a kind of status capitalism, right? Right. If you compare it to the days before him, we have a much clearer idea of what's going on inside China. I mean, we know more about these Uyghur camps than we would have back then. I mean, back then, like Chernobyl could happen in Russia or China, and it was like you'd, you know, weeks later or whatever, you'd get an inkling. Um the uh and the chinese people be i would say chinese people know more about what's going on in the outside world than they used to although the government's done a better job than i had thought of uh suppressing information and see there is a kind of government responsiveness to certain kinds of citizen discontent it's not democracy it's 
uh, like, you know, uh, rural, you know, like peasants getting together and demonstrating about some local pollution or something and the government doing something about it. But that happens more than people appreciate. So there is a kind of pluralism that sometimes involves information technology, at least in the sense of people using cell phones to mobilize and so on. So those are the things that can be said. Um, well, you can also argue that economic interdependence has, has benign international effects, but, but those are, those are, that's a, a quick list of the things that can be said on behalf of, uh, thinking that moving in the direction of markets and, and economic, international economic engagement is better for a totalitarian country than not doing so. Or in other words, uh, another way to put it is China is not strictly speaking totalitarian anymore. Neither is Russia. Pretty slippery authoritarian. It's a pretty meager list. We find out earlier that they're torturing uh, a million and a half people. We can't do anything about it. Well, I'm not uh, sure that I, I. We don't know. I don't think that they're torturing. Certainly on that scale is what's going on. It's creepy what's going on. I haven't. I haven't heard reports. Have you heard reports of mass torture of the Uyghurs? I've heard reports of suspicions of medical experimentation. Mm. Um, um, and there's. I mean, there've been reports. There've been I mean, reports harvesting organs from live people i mean you know oh that's an old that's an old uh, that's not something that that uh started happening i mean i mean that that was in the 80s i you know the the idea was it was weird because there was this protest the specifically the, the the allegation was they're harvesting organs from political prisoners who've been condemned to death and my view was the most outrageous part is that there are the political prisoners being condemned to death, right? I mean, to me, if you could stop one thing, that's what you'd stop. It isn't, you know, but anyway. Um, yeah, I guess it's slightly extra creepy that then they make some use of the organs, but the the, the problem is the, is the political prisoner execution. I just, I just sort of see it as uh, it's a little like the institution of slavery. Every The conventional wisdom is that slavery could not make the transition to capitalism, that it was Basically, a, a you know a feudal system that was hidebound, and you needed the free market and labor in order to capitalize and to, to achieve industrial level efficiency. And uh, you know, Garrett Epps, who is a Twitter adversary of mine, wrote a very good novel where he pointed out that there was this. They had made the transition to capitalism. There's a, there are factories in uh, Virginia that were slave factories and they were industrial factories and they were producing armaments and they were working. So you don't really can't, don't really know that that slavery was incompatible with the forces of production at the time. And it may turn out that, uh, as the communism, just a horrible totalitarian, creepy Orwellian, maybe 90% totalitarian state is, is also compatible with capitalism. Um, it could be, uh, you know, the, uh, and I have to burn my copy. I, I, of the I, you know, I, I think obviously, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think the, the jury's out. I also think, I mean, I don't know how long they can, um, continue to, I, I, I think the government's done a better job, not better in a, in a sense of good, but in the sense of more effective, better job of, um, of maintaining control of information, notwithstanding the, the the inherent dynamics of the internet, than people thought. 
Um, I don't know. I'm not sure how long they can keep it up. I mean, I will say that when we, uh, and, and this is true in general of, uh, places where we would like the regime to change, when we make it easy for the government to depict us as an enemy of the people, we are doing the government's work for it. And that is certainly true in China. I, I think it's a mistake to underestimate how much anti-American nationalism there is in China. And when they hear that we're calling this the Chinese virus and blah, 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 that that plays into the regime's hands for sure. And... uh and you know it's it, it's it's in a way it's like a non-zero sum game um between nationalists in America and nationalists in China. You know, it works it works great for Donald Trump and Steve Bannon uh if if there are these in some respects if there are these tensions between us and China cuz that's their that's their uh you know that's grist for their mill depicting them as a as an implacable enemy. The pandemic is not going to be good for Trump and Steve Bannon. That's a firm. That's a firm It'd prediction. Be better for them if China had been more alarmist from the beginning. As I, as you know, I think Z told Trump. Uh, my source, my my source, says Z told Trump personally, "Don't worry about this thing. It's not a big deal." Okay. Well, that who, maybe he may that's have your, wait. That's your source. Information on on purpose. Why did Trump blow all these experts off? He comes home from China. All the experts are saying, you got to do something about the coronavirus. And he says, no, nah, I'm not going to worry about it. OK, maybe it was it was obviously because Z told him, don't worry about it. And he like an idiot. He believed him. Now, who where do we where do we where is the report come from that he told this to Trump? From my vast network of sources. So this hasn't even been reported. You should write a piece. I report I report I talked it's- about it the last video we did bob and has I said, it also been in the cows files newsletter no it's not i don't it's not it's 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 well sourced enough to blab about on this it's not, not well sourced enough to put in print what are newsletters for if not for weekly reported it's not even well sourced enough to put in twitter it's enough to talk about between friends i wouldn't tweet about it so are you but you can now embed this conversation in your newsletter correct but i wouldn't highlight that this is what we talked about. I just I hear it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend. I mean, that's the level of. But they're all. Well, I'd be skeptical. It, it would be, of course, convenient for Trump to spread that rumor. But um, no. But anyway, I mean, he he may have meant it. I mean, he was right. They did have it under control. You know what he didn't add was, on the other hand, no doubt if you the virus has escaped other countries, and if I were running one of them, I'd make damn sure I got it under control. Well, they gave the they gave the Wuhan people time to escape Wuhan, and millions of them left for other countries. I mean, it's pretty not for other countries. Millions didn't leave for other countries, did they? I have a friend who was in India and and sent me a video of all the Chinese people from Wuhan who were in. Sitting in the jewelry stores looking at jewelry. You could tell they were from Wuhan? No, she said they were from Wuhan, but they were definitely Chinese. Well, there you go. So, um. Uh, no, I mean, she said there was an sudden influx. So. So is that the Jared think, Kushner vest? Does he wear that kind of vest? He wears this kind of vest. This, uh, I imagine his is a little higher quality than this. I doubt that. Who's the uh, vendor? Where'd you get that? 
This is J. Crew before J. Crew went all to hell, so it's pretty good. Mm. It wasn't wildly expensive. Here's the thing. What, I, I'm not surprised that Jared Kushner's father could buy his way into Harvard because you hear that this happens. But for only $2.5 million? I mean, Harvard's endowment is what? 10. It's 10 now. They're so, saying it was 10 in Jared's case or it's now the no, official price? It's 10 now, but there's been inflation since Wait, then. Wait, you mean there's like a semi-official price for getting Correct. idiots into Harvard? Correct. And it's not, it's not scaled. It's not graded like Forrest Gump would cost more than Jared Kushner. That's what I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's a, there's a whisper number that you will be told if you press hard enough. And the whisper number as a couple of years ago was 10 million. Why does Harvard degrade itself this way? It has, its endowment is inconceivably large, it's, right? It's, it's, it's inexplicable to me. And I, I have an insidious theory of this. What it, is it? This is the theory I was going to mention at the beginning of the show. There was a sort of golden age of meritocracy after in the 60s when, like, you really couldn't buy your way in. And the proof of that is that Pinch Sulzberger went to Tufts, okay? <laughs> if, it, now Pinch Sulzberger would go he's to a guy now. He's a guy now running the New York Times, right? Well, he stepped down. His son's running it now. Oh, it's his son. Yeah, but, uh, the third in line. Where did his son go to school? It's a good question. I don't know. But anyway, the, 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 and the, the, the insidious thing is now Harvard wants the mediocre sons of the wealthy because life is for contacts and they want their regular people who get in to have contact with Jared Kushner because that's going to help them in life. So they actually want Jared Kushner to buy his way in and subvert the meritocratic policy and degrade the meaning of a Harvard degree, uh, in, ex- in exchange for these contacts it's yeah, but, completely corrupt in a horrible way well kushner's even not even a good example of that i mean his father's like a real estate guy right i mean you wouldn't perfect use example th- of that what he's a perfect example of that no wait what like did you go when well, you went to harvard did you go to harvard hoping to connect with the son of a real estate mogul no you went to harvard hoping to well you are yourself you are yourself descended from california royalty but if you weren't, if you were like me, a person of humble origins who had to scratch and claw his way up toward the American dream, never quite realizing it. If you were like me, you would not go to college hoping to connect with the son of a real estate. You'd be you'd, you'd hope to connect with the son of like a, a Pulitzer Prize winning author or publisher. People thought that the economy was meritocratic when I went to school. Now they realize the economy is a feudal system where the rich help themselves and there's once you're a mogul, it's very hard not to stay a mogul, and you have a leg up, and it's not a meritocracy, and they're playing by those rules now. So any 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 kind of uh, foothold you can get. I mean, I mean, money is money. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying they want the, the, connections. Didn't really matter because if you were like a brilliant at business, you would succeed at business. Now you succeed at business. If you're brilliant at business, yes, or if you're friends with Jared Kushner. But wasn't, so they, Jared, wasn't, they want you to be friends with Jared Kushner. Wasn't the point of Harvard always to meet other people who had been accepted to Harvard? Well, it was a different sort of thing, yeah. But but uh, the, the, the WASP elite had sort of died out, and it was really just strivers from high schools. And uh, they met other strivers from high schools, and that was mm-hmm. supposed to be good enough. Yeah. Now, it's not, now it's not good enough. Uh, that that would be the argument, 
for, for the argument for why they would keep up this, why would they degrade themselves by letting in people, letting people buy their way in is they actually want a smattering of people to buy their way in. Diversity. Yeah. They want, you know, unqualified rich people. So what is your, is your, is your take on Jared as unflattering as the average person's take? No, no, I, I have a mixed take on Jared. I wish he weren't there. He has terrible political judgment. He said some truly amazingly obnoxious things that I've heard. Uh, and, uh, but his immigration task force is actually pretty good. Mm. He accidentally hired good people and they accidentally produced a good bill, which nobody has seen and which will get worse and worse. But I, I mean, I've seen it. I was, they let me look at it at across the table. They didn't let me take notes. Uh, they, who was they? Who was they? When was this? Oh, they had a bunch of briefings for immigration people at the White House. And when was this? When was this? Four months ago or so. You were and you were invited to the inner sanctum. They got they got down to my level. Wow! It was off the record, but they're they're smart people. It's a it's a you know there's this guy Ryan James Jurdusky who's a big immigration hawk like I am, and he's the champion of the Jared's not as bad as you think caucus. Because the people he hired, perhaps accidentally, were, and I met them, they're actually, their head's in the right place. Jared will probably sell them out down the road, but, you know, he, he it's just not, a, it's hard to yell at him now about it yet, you know. So, that, so I, I have a slight, and he also, you know, it, so if he, if, he's, if he has the confidence that the president can get things done, I'm happy if he gets things done. I have no confidence that he will, in fact, get things done. But if he were Harry Hopkins, you know, great. If he were. Right. The, now, did uh, you see that Peter Navarro got a star turn at the uh, press conference yesterday? I saw that. I didn't see the press conference. Now, so remind very, us, is, so well. he's a hardcore economic nationalist, or is he that plus an immigration restrictionist or – what? I don't know. I, I don't know. But he it's is hard, a hardcore economic they, nationalist, right? They tend to go together. Yes. Y- yeah. Uh, and the other thing, the other hero of of uh, in that area is Lighthizer. I, I didn't realize that my friend Alan Tomlinson uh, actually likes the outcome of the trade negotiations. He thinks it's a big win for the United States, and we should for just the China leave it. China negotiations. We just leave it. Round one was fine. Doesn't need to be around to. We won. Uh, he he's tweeted. He he has posted uh, about this. Um, I'm not an expert on that subject, but so he thinks highly of Lighthizer. So uh, Ann Coulter thinks that Navarro should now be put in charge of the coronavirus uh, because of his performance yesterday. Because he wants to insource all sorts. Of, you know. Like everybody else now, he wants to insource right. supplies. Well, one question is, will that be an enduring consequence of the pandemic? Uh, America <clears throat> reducing, radically reducing its reliance on foreign manufacturers, foreign supply chains. That, that, that's going to be in play. I mean, even Andrew Cuomo, I mean, for, I don't know, for all I know, he's, he has a history of economic nationalism, but he was saying, this is crazy to have us dependent on these various things that are made in other countries. And look, I, I agree. You shouldn't have only one foreign source for like critical pharmaceuticals. And there may be certain other things where you want to 
either have a, a domestic source or main or two different foreign sources or something, but I don't think that's a very large set of things that that you would need to put in that category. I don't know. I think I I, I um I think we're going to need jobs for Americans as automation puts more and more people out of work, and if we bring a bunch of industries home and declare a bunch of industries as key industries where we have our national champions, uh, that doesn't bother me. But you realize that the standard argument against that is in the long run, it actually reduces American jobs, right? I mean, it may be wrong, but that is the standard globalist economist counter argument. Right. But the, in the globalist economist counter argument, automation never puts people out of work. Well, leave at any level of automation, they would say that, you know, deeply restricting international trade is in the long run going to hurt the American economy and reduce the number of jobs. That's the standard. Those are two different things. They definitely are, argue it's going to hurt the economy, and I accept that. It's going to lower GDP. We'll be poorer. But uh, but there will uh, be more jobs, you think? But there'll be more jobs is a trickier proposition. Yeah. Well, there also, in principle, there could be more jobs of a certain kind, uh, more unskilled jobs, uh, right. even if that came at a cost of overall pr- prosperity, conceivably even at a cost of total number of jobs, right. I guess. Um, yeah, that would be uh, so and, and what, what is what is what what is, chi- you know, what is our relationship with China done for us? That's so so damn great. Uh well, we, I mean, we actually, all our jobs, and we get—I get a toaster oven that melts every time I plug it in. It's not a good toaster oven. I've, I'm very sensitive to allergies, Bob, and they—and this—it—it's—it uh, smells like uh, burning rubber, and I can't use it. Well, what am I going to do? Take it back. You to should China? have bought a different one that was made in China. That was a bad one that this was made in China. Ma- the second made in China one I've had. Um, well, you should switch to uh, South Korea. But anyway, the, I, I just the, the benefits to the average American of of having Walmart and cheap goods from China is is it seems pales it pales in comparison to the destruction. That Actually, I think standard of living matters to a lot of Americans. Now, if if there are people who are, who have lower wage jobs than they would otherwise, or no jobs, then they may have gotten a bad deal. But many many Americans have a higher standard of living by virtue of international trade. It matters to them. Believe me, there are people out there who like it matters whether they have to pay an extra two hundred dollars for a smartphone. They really but don't you want know to do my that. argument. What is your argument? The important thing for social equality is the people at the bottom, not the people in the middle. The people in the middle get richer from China and the people at the bottom get impoverished because they lose all the unskilled jobs to China. That's a huge net minus for social equality. I don't care if GDP goes up. I don't care if income per capita goes up. Uh, if the people at the bottom are degraded and thrown into a life of the dole and opium abuse, that's a very bad thing for the community, uh, which is the important thing. Well, that's an argument. Um, I mean, this would be the Chris Arnod argument. Chris Arnod is the guy who travels around America demonstrating his uh, his understanding of common folk. Well, he his common folk are a little lower down than even my common folk would be. I mean, his the I opened his book, and the first person he meets is a a, a very large hooker. Okay, when I talk about the working class, I'm not talking about hookers. Okay, hookers are hookers are uh-huh. like 
you can't out. You, his you back row is, is further back than the people I'm talking about. I'm talking you, about you people can, who go to work every day and would go to work every day. That, that's a job you can't outsource anyway. So, um, I mean, you not, you not the current techno- technology. You, you may be getting You should have explained to her why. Um, uh, hey, can I go get some coffee? Just put coffee in my cup and you can um, entertain people. <laughs> uh, go ahead. I want to or something. I'll, I'll touch my face. How about that? I'll I'll fail to touch my face. It's like it's like the scene from Peter Sellers in How I Stopped Worrying. How I learned to love the bomb. What did you say while I was gone? I'm stopping myself from touching my face. Doing an excellent job. <laughs> anyway, um, um, are you like? Is this? Uh, that's the highlight clip, Bob. Yeah, we need more visuals for the highlight clip. We need. Um, has this changed? I like, I mean, there may be people who don't know that you are famously germaphobic. So what is your, on the other hand, California is just not that high risk an area. We discussed this last time. You, you, you know, so you're not that, you're not freaking out. How do you get your groceries? I'm freaking out, but, uh, you know, but, uh, my life is a nightmare, but what are you supposed to do about it? Good attitude. Um, so is there anything else? Um, I mean, I would say domestic effects aside, which people argue about the domestic economic effects of trade, I think international economic engagement is a pacifying force. There has not been a war between great powers since World War II. There have been proxy wars that were pretty horrible, uh, but nothing as horrible as World War II. We, there hasn't been a nuclear war. I personally think economic engagement um, reduces the chances of those kinds of horrible after, things. After reading Non-Zero, I would have said it was a democratizing force. But you've moved off that position. No, actually, strictly speaking, I mean, we, we didn't we already cover this? Um, yes, yeah, we did. But, but by the way, that wasn't so much about international trade. That was about the effects... That was an argument that microelectronic information technology makes it harder for countries to uh, give people economic liberty while denying them political liberty. That was the argument. I'm not saying my argument has been as fully substantiated as I might have liked, but for reasons I've already covered, I don't think it's dead, dead, dead. Um. Anyway, I take I take your argument, but um. Uh, we have covered that ground. Uh, How long have we been doing this? We need to say something for our, our. We need to save something for our highly anticipated next week's show. Right. Oh, wow, I, we're over an hour. I, Jeez. I, I I keep a pad by my bed, uh, and and I write things on it. And yesterday, I I, I woke up and it said. On it, nesting sex dolls. So, that's how bad things have gotten. Nesting sex dolls. Yeah, like Russian, like dolls. Never mind. You woke Why up. Wait, you woke up and wrote that? I don't remember remember writing it. <laughs> Are you sure you're the one who wrote it? Is it in your handwriting? Maybe you had a guest you don't remember. Yeah. No. Um. I shouldn't have brought have that you, up. Have you had any pan- pandemic dreams? I haven't had one yet. No. Some people have them. 
Um, the pandemic wasn't even in my list of like top horror stories. I mean, you I don't mean, like. You mean I, anticipated I, horror stories? Things you were yeah, worrying about two months I ago? Didn't think contagion. I don't didn't care about Contagion. I'm not moved by Cont- the movie Contagion. I, you know, it's not my idea of a good read. Is well, about- your your fear of Contagion had been sublimated and surfaced in the form of your attitudes toward immigration. I think that's my own diagnosis. That's not my diagnosis. My diagnosis is I'm so egotistical that. I, all I care about is it's going to kill me. If it kills everybody else, doesn't matter. Um, not my attitude anymore. Um, I'm trying to find. Uh, so you haven't listened to the Steve Bannon podcast? No, but you, it sounds like you're a fan. I think that's I, the- I, I, it's it's horrible. It's it's kind of gripping in a way, but also it's like watching Fox T- Fox News. You know. Fox News um, is unwatchable. You actually watch Fox News? Well, that's what I mean. It's like you feel like you don't want to do it, but then you do it and you learn something because you 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 remember that the perspective there is very different from the perspective you've been seeing on in mainstream media. Oh, that's what I could do is complain about mainstream media. Is it my imagination or is journalism just worse than it used to be? I mean, the two hypotheses are one is I'm getting crankier as I age, and the other is that no, actually, journalism is worse. Uh, I think both are true. Uh, but, I mean, there, uh, there, if you read the New York Times, the, the, you know, the best paper in the world, they're, they're constantly sticking in these little things about, you know, Trump said this without any evidence, and then, you know, half the time it turns out Trump is wrong, and half the time it turns out Trump is right. Uh, he had evidence, uh, and, and they're, they're sort of, or, or the, the, you know, the a more recent one that is in your wheelhouse is, uh, people constantly reporting that uh, Tom Cotton said that it was, that the coronavirus was a bioweapon. Well, they never quote Tom Cotton saying the coronavirus is a bioweapon. They all, and, and, and to my knowledge, he doesn't allege the coronavirus was a bioweapon. He says it might have escaped from a lab that did research on bat viruses, which was no. I think the- he used the term bioweapons at least in the sense of. I think at least in in uh, in saying bioweapons lab or something, didn't he? He may have said and, and it's not lab, an established, that and that's not an established fact. I think all that's an established fact is it's, it's a high security. I think it's called a P four or P five bio lab, which isn't necessarily a bioweapons lab. There are two of them. One's across the street from the wet market. The other one isn't. I think, but um. It, uh, the point is that they constantly say this, but they don't, it may not be true, but it sort of helps the narrative to make fun of Tom Cotton for saying it's a bioweapon. He may have said it privately to people at the very beginning, but, uh, I don't know for sure. Well, I'm in favor of vilifying Tom. Tom Cotton is an out and out nut and a, and a dangerous nut, I think. So I'm not, I don't get too upset about people vilifying him, although I prefer they do it with a factual basis, but I do, I do think mainstream media has – the resistance has brought out the worst of it. I mean, the way it is more or less implicitly signed on to the resistance has in many ways helped Trump and certainly consolidated the view in his base that the media is full of liars. Let me give you an example. Like I just happened – yesterday I opened my Washington Post smartphone app 
And these are the first three stories I saw. And I don't even think the Post is as bad as the Times. Do you? In terms of its its kind of subtext anti-Trumpism? Do you think the Post is bad? The Post headlines are more hysterical clickbait. Okay, so this is a very first headline. Like, this is like the front page of what is I'm thinking of as a newspaper. I pull up my app. First story. Trump sows uncertainty and seeks to cast blame in coronavirus crisis. Well, that's a a little interpretive, right? And, And so then the second one was, Experts and Trump's advisors doubt White House's prediction of virus deaths. The story itself wasn't bad. It got into those numbers we were talking about right. and was just raising the question, where the hell do these numbers come from? They need to tell us. Uh, then the third story was, coronavirus stimulus payments begin April 9, but some won't receive checks until September. Again, not necessarily a, a, a story not we're doing, but... There is a consistent theme here, right? And yeah, no, you just noticed this, Bob. This has been going no, on. No, I, I, I have been complaining ever since my back, even back when my non-zero newsletter, which people can subscribe to at nonzero.org, was called the Mindful Resistance Newsletter. I mean, one of my hobby horses was the media by freaking out about Trump and signing on to the resistance is making Trump's life easier. Here- don't don't the horror the the word one of the most horrible things about it is if they stopped and started to produce the kind of journalism we want, it would be incredibly boring. Sort of neutral, analytical, but it would, uh, but it would fair, add, fair journalism it would put us all to sleep. It would it would add years to my life though because I really every time I see the kind of journalism that's now standard, I get I have a mild feeling of rage that. Is taking time off of my life. That's that's why people tune into your video casts. You think so? Is there anything? I mean, we've been going a long time. Going too long. In any minute now, my plumber is going to call me and say he's. I told him uh, to give us an hour and a half. Been an hour and a half. That would be great. Um, That would be great radio or whatever this is. It would be good. No, I mean, are plumbers even allowed to come to your house? I, I don't know. Would show me violating the law, Bob. Could be. I just wrote, I was riding my bike today and uh, I saw some house. There were like nine cars pulled up and I wondered, is that a violation of New Jersey shelter in place order or whatever it is? I think maybe. Workmen are running around it, it, and it's it's pretty clear that this, this shutdown is going to slowly disintegrate at the edges before uh, it's shut down formally before it ends formally politicians are going to it's you know even even now i hear more traffic noise than two weeks ago two weeks ago it was dead silence that's and funny now- i kind of sense the same thing i take a walk at night sometimes and it was more like a ghost town a week ago um and that's so, the other thing is like how long can people put up with this before they just start blaming trump just because he's but, president but i don't mind it. it's sort of a natural thing if you really have to go out and earn a living to feed your family you know, you can do it. If you don't, you're not going to. So yeah, but that'll that'll <laughs> make it harder to to get a grip on the virus, right? Right. But it's sort of if you if you it, rather than the government saying, okay, you can go to work, you can go to work, you can go to work. Uh, if if they say nobody can go to work, and then the people that really have to go to work cheat, that might be a more efficient way of allowing a few people to go to work. 
Yeah, although then it's the people who really need to go to work that wind up dying disproportionately or their elder relatives or something. But, um, um, I, I mean, that's the, uh, we shouldn't go on much longer, but that's the one kind of insidious thing yeah. about this. I mean, I did a thing in my newsletter, like, about how, you know, this was kind of brought into the country by blue states and blue cities, by and large, and blue types. And and I was thinking maybe as it spreads to red areas, the blue areas would be blamed. But there's a separate dynamic, which is that um, within blue cities, it's like it was brought into the country and, and initially spread by relatively affluent people, I think. I mean, one of the big vectors here where I live came from a Biogen conference at uh, right. Boston. And then there was a party here in town and like eight people walked away or something infected. And then the rest is history. But the people paying the price now are l- much lower income people. So like, you know, New York elites, probably people who, tra- who fly around and stuff brought it to us but now it's the people who have to ride the subway for economic reasons uh who are most exposed right and who who, who don't have the kinds of jobs you can do from home uh that's probably true and on the other hand it, it, there's also a subdivision of that which is the rest of the country now hates new york well that's uh, what i kind of wrote about it but i wrote about the broader version of it where well will, will red america blame blue america right right but it's it, it, it's it's sort of more well targeted than that it's new york specifically which 49 states hating new york uh and they're uh, that's very unfair but they did react slowly so and they are more dense and they keep you know so it's uh it's it's not completely illogical uh anyway but uh the 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 sort of powers that be are desperate to have a state other than new york really get into trouble because that will help them uh, promote a nationwide lockdown, which right. I think is probably a good thing. But uh, right, right. Now, this is a new conspiracy theory. No, who, it's, who is it who's secretly want, hoping on a nationwide lockdown? There are all these stories saying next it will hit rural America, next it's going to hit the South. Well, it hasn't done that yet. It probably will, and that. But but it's sort of there's a there's, there's a sort of a rooting for it to happen. Yeah, uh, uh, on the part of the people in in my camp which is we're pro lockdown okay but it's hard to promote a lockdown if if you're saying the rest of the country is going to be like new york and it hasn't happened right and and there are people who doubt it's going to happen that's all i think there will be other problem areas but i agree that it's not going to be as bad as some people are imagining i mean i have no way of knowing but part of it just gets back to what we talked about earlier is i gotta think if the Trump administration came out and said somewhere between 100 and 240,000 deaths, they must have previously reached the conclusion that probably it would be no more than 80,000. That must be their actual belief if if where they're putting the goalposts is between 100 and 240. I hope you're right. Um, well, 80 uh, would be a lot, but... Um, yeah, but it, it, um, it would be seen as a, as a victory. That's the point. Um so I think we should stop because, yeah, because the plumber is going to come. Yeah, that. Much and as also, we want to save some of our uh, our really killer material for next week. Or really, right? Um, this is just you know, it's just a like like succession. You have to listen to twenty episodes before it starts going. Exactly. Um, wait, like what? 
the TV show Succession, which I've never seen, uh, which I hated the first episode, and everybody says, "Oh yeah, you hate the first episode," but if you st- if you watch ten episodes in, in the second season, it gets good. Well, I'm sorry, I don't. There's a watch- lot of those. I couldn't I couldn't get past the the horses in the snow part of Game of Thrones. Even I'm very impatient. No, that um, was the part. Okay, okay. So we'll we'll see you next week. Um, and what will we uh? What will we promise? We'll promise that we that we will give such a thorough review of the significant developments next week that you can just forget about the pandemic in the meanwhile. Is that what we promise, America? Sure. But don't forget about it in the sense of like, you know, Touching going out it. without a mask on or anything. But yeah. okay, that's but a, we, that, by the way, that is the new thing is everyone wearing a mask. That's yeah. where. Yeah, that's the latest. You should be masked next time we do this. That'd yeah. Be good. Yeah, okay. let's do let's do promise masks. Okay. okay, even for even for the audio people, we'll have we'll 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 we'll, we'll be wearing masks for them too. Okay, thanks, Mickey. Yeah, yep. see you next time.